Hello and welcome once again to Ask the Ad. This time it's number 11, Legs 11. I chose the name because I remember it was a bingo term and I assumed it was related to football. How disappointed was I when I just looked it up and found out that they used the term Legs 11 because they think 11 looks like two legs next to each other. I never did get bingo. People get so excited and it is just not not exciting at all. Two of my auntie hands are obsessed by it. So I went once with them, and the best thing about it was leaving at the end of the night and buying knock-off chocks and sweets cheap from the guy outside. When we used to all pile over to Sowie to go to the fair, that's Southport in case you were wondering, one of the hands hated fair rides, so we would all leave our stuff with her and go off and enjoy the rides while she just sat and slid covers over numbers for hours on the bingo place. I have no idea what she enjoyed about it, but it meant the rest of us could have fun. Speaking of bingo, there used to be a bingo hall at the end of the road, the Gainey, for those of you that know Bool. For those of you who don't, it was the Gainsborough on Nosley Road. One day, my granddad was helping his brother-in-law fix his car, and Uncle Harry, his brother-in-law, is underneath the car tinkering with something, and his legs were stuck out into the street. Back then, it was all cobblestone streets, and you didn't get much traffic going through those days. But the manager from the Gainey drives down at a fair clip and clumps right over Uncle Larry, stops, looks back, and realises what he has done and tries to drive off. My granddad wasn't having that, so he's jumping on, he jumps onto the side of the car and is hanging on as it drives down Percy Street while the guy inside is shouting, I can't stop, I can't stop, I have a big guest star from Corrion tonight. When the police and ambulance turned up, all he was bothered about was being late as this soap star from Coronation Street would be waiting on him. He's now in charge of driver training at Derby County these days, I believe. Starting us off with the first question is Owen G1 from the Liverpool site, who asked a very long question, so you might have to bear with this one. Hi Ed, not a Liverpool related question, but would love to get your thoughts on the current Wales setup. On the one hand, there's obviously been a positive recent history with the groundwork performed by John Toshak and Gary Speed and the qualification for Euro 2016 with Coleman. There also seems to be an exciting group of young players coming through, such as Ampadu, Brooks and Matondo. On the other hand, Ryan Giggs is severely untested as a manager and has underwhelmed in a few tests he's had so far. Add to this the recent departure of Ossian Roberts... Danny Gabadon was talking about how big a loss that would be on a recent podcast of Ellis James and Ewan Roberts. And it seems a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. Do you have any thoughts on it? Would you have given someone like Bellamy, who went for it as well as Roberts, the job over gigs? Appreciate you, like most, aren't the biggest international football fan and probably have even less interest in Wales affairs than England's. But would be really interested if you have any insight. Thanks so much. Well, to be honest, I've always actually taken a bit of an interest in the Welsh setup because when I was a kid, I could never understand how a team with the best goal scorer in the world and the best goalkeeper in the world could be quite so bad. When you have Ian Rush and Neville Southall in your team, you should at least be able to complete, compete even, but Wales never did. Then they had Liverpool legend Toshak, who had done so well as a coach in the past. But it was the speed era that really interested me as he was close friends with my uncle and his family are just genuinely nice people. Cowan did well when he had to do it for Speedo rallying call to fire up the players and had Roger Speed, Gary's dad, there to help fire up the players all the time. But he had little tactical nows or ability to bring through youngsters. Sadly, it seems Giggs is no better. From what I've been told, he doesn't have the ability to fire up players, to motivate them as he is not the best talker. Added to that, everyone remembers him skipping friendlies, so it's difficult to get people to listen to him properly because they just don't feel like he cares. At least Bellamy is known to have passion for his country, but I'm not sure about his coaching yet. He doesn't really have the intelligence, in my opinion. 
It needs someone who's going to look at the long term and concentrate totally on coaching the players. A Bielsa type, for instance. In fact, even Bielsa himself, seeing as when even when Leeds were top, after fans were on his back, he might be willing to make a change. Someone like Roberts or, or Bellamy would be too short-term, in my view. They would come in with passion and fire, but would their coaching be good enough? They really need to work and decide, you know, work for in the long term to improve their coaching first. I mean, would they know how to bring through youngsters? I'm not convinced they would. The next question is from Roro1892 with his boxing hat on this time. And he asks, when writing your articles, like your recent boxing one about Willie Pep, do you give yourself a word count and timescale to stick to when writing it? To be honest, no. When I did, when I first started writing them, I used to do that, but I found I was unable to stick to either without severely compromising the articles. I was missing out so much it felt wrong. I've just concentrated on finding out everything I can and then trying to tell the story as best I can. Some people, for example, just do not have enough of interest to write about them to make a decent length article. Others have so much to tell that it would be silly to cut out interesting bits just to keep within a word count. Now on to Codtown from the Liverpool site. Hi Ed, I saw on the Liverpool page you said if Klopp leaves at the end of his contract that Linders would be a smooth replacement. My question is if Linders is as good as some people say he is. Even heard some saying he could be the Dutch Klopp. Cheers. I've no idea about the Dutch Klopp thing, but he's certainly an excellent coach and has made a big difference at the club. He's always looking for new ideas that can improve his coaching. That is something very helpful in the long term in particular. What's particularly good about him is that he realises there is only so much a coach can do from the sidelines and that you need to help the players to think for themselves. Far too much coaching and teaching in general is about indoctrination, teaching people what to think, when the way to get the most out of people is to teach them how to figure it out for themselves. When they can find the answers for themselves rather than looking to the sidelines every few seconds, that is when your team can play to their best and they can deal with anything that's thrown at them. You can see it every time Liverpool play, how they start off playing a certain way and then gradually adjust to deal with the opponent's opposition's tactics. That is one of the main reasons why they tend to become more dominant as the game goes on. Linders is in large part responsible for that. Morrow 6590 from the Liverpool site is next. He said, can, could you explain the factors and differences in Chelsea's current can transfer ban and Man City's recent fine for being in breach of the transfers of players under 18? I would imagine each scenario differs, hence the difference in punishments. If you could clarify, that would be super. Thanks. It's actually quite simple. The big difference is that Man City's offences dated from prior to the regulations being introduced by FIFA on transfers of players under the age of 18. That is why their punishment was so lenient in comparison. Another Liverpool site question now is from Expertoyan, who asks... Quick question, when asked to describe the spine of the team, who would you pick? Personally, I would pick Alisson, VVD, Fabinho and Mane. Well, I would say the same as you, but swap Mane for Firmino, because the spine has to be the centre, that's what it means, the central part of the team. And Firmino's in the centre, Mane's on the left. Para Red, again off the Liverpool site, asks, Hey mate, probably a question that sent your over- inbox into overdrive, but because of the recent developments with Klopp's future, who's best to replace him and why? Well, he was talking about at the end of his contract, which is years away. It's far too soon to say who would be the best to replace him. There's plenty of time for careers to implode or to shoot into orbit. Well, this is turning into a Liverpool podcast. As you guessed it, the next question has also come from the Liverpool site from Barry and Loud, who for the change is actually asking about football. Two questions, in fact. 
Look, we all know what happened when Sunes took over, but as he ever stated in public or private, then knows he made a mess of things. Well, Sunes has said many times he made a lot of errors and tried to do too much too quickly. More of a problem, though, was he bought crap players with little ability on the ball while letting good players go, and he's never apologised for that or mentioned that. Most of the players he bought were at a knobheads like Dean, it was only one drink, honest, Saunders. But yes, he knows he made a mess of it and admits to doing so. And second question is, what was the real reason Ferguson got rid of Stam? Was it really over the book? Well, that just hastened his departure. Fergie was already considering replacing him as he thought he was going past his best. However, he hadn't wanted to lose him right there and then. The book just made him act immediately, probably too early in fact. This one really is turning into a Liverpool last he adds. The next question is another from the Liverpool site from Longthing76 who asks... If Milner was to leave at the end of the season, who would you want to come in to take his place? Thanks. Replace Milner? Um, that's that's a difficult one. I'm not sure if there's anyone around with his utility value. Um, it's going to be really difficult to replace him. Probably the closest in terms of being able to cover so much of the pitch is Saul Niguez. Saul is also a fantastic player who's happy to work hard as well. I very much doubt that there is any chance of it happening, but he would be the wishful thinking replacement if Milner doesn't sign a new contract. Right, time for the change, and I'm going to find a question from a different site now. So here's one from the Celtic site, which shows how far behind I've fallen on, on these questions. As SamCFC1888 asks, Can you see us bringing in either Melling or Taylor? If so, who do you think it will be? Well, using my magical powers of Google... I have looked into the past and found you will sign Taylor. I bet you didn't know I could do magic, did you? The powers were passed down to me from a granddad who, as well as being the UK's first paramedic, a stand-up comedian and a ventriloquist, was also a stage magician. At least, right up until he cut the top off one thumb, soaring a lady in half. OK, back to the Liverpool site questions for this one. But I'll look for one off a different site for the one after, as this shouldn't be all about Liverpool. Triangle asks, where would you rank this current Liverpool team against previous Liverpool teams of the past? Player for player, we can't be far off the great Liverpool sides. Well, I think there's still a lot to do to be considered as good as the teams of the past. You have to win trophies consistently to be as good as them. Being great on on paper is not the same as being truly great. There is no one in the Liverpool team right now that can say they are as at this moment, weirdly are being put alongside the likes of Sunes, Dalglish and Rush. Potentially they can be, but until they win the league, they are simply not at the same level. Right, Rangers site question now. See Celtic and Rangers on the same pod, we don't discriminate here. Anyway, the question from DazK1983 is, Ed Wom, what is your most memorable moment in football that you have witnessed and why? Also, what's the best funny quote or question posted on the rumours pages? Well, as a memorable moment, I'm torn between two moments. The first is an obvious one for a Liverpool fan, and that's 2005 Istanbul and winning the Champions League, because it seems so improbable, impossible even, long before the team went in at half-time 3-0 down. The team was awful in the main. I mean, Owen had forced his way out in the summer, Jimmy Traore started the game, and Rafa left Didi Aman out for the final. Everything pointed to disaster, so to turn it around and win it was a fantastic moment. But the other is memorable for completely different reasons and just because it was so funny, or at least I found it funny. Anyway, the other moment was when John Barnes left Tramia Rovers. 
He was sacked as manager of Tranny, and so there are all these sky cameras, etc., hanging round outside waiting to talk to him. Now, he lived nearby, so he'd cycle into the club each day and cycle home. He was about to get on his bike, literally, when Jason McAteer said to him it'd be a bit embarrassing for him to leave after being fired on his bike and have to cycle past all the cameras, etc. So McAteer offered him a lift home. The problem was, rather than just leaving the bike and picking it up later, they decided to just stick it in the back of the car. Only they couldn't get it to fit. So Sky were live reporting on the sacking with the cameras focused on those two trying to squeeze Digger's bike in the back and not having a clue how to do it. The pair of them were totally oblivious and pushing, pulling, lifting and twisting this bike around trying to figure out how to get it in the back of the car. It was truly like a scene from a comedy movie, a naked gun or airplane film with Jason McAteer playing the Leslie Nielsen role. They would probably still be there now trying to figure it out if McAteer hadn't checked his phone just to find a stack of messages of them about them being live on Sky. I can't really think of a particularly funny or quote or post on the rumours pages now. We used to get so many in the early days as there were nowhere else to send them until the likes of BBC and Sky jumped on it. The problem is that you always get the same thing posted so many times it stops being funny to me. Nowadays, the equivalent would be Messi being linked to, say, for instance, Rochdale. People think that is hilarious to send in, but FaceTime is alright, but I've already seen a million posts linking him to Berry, Bolton, Cheltenham, Swindon, Charlton, etc. So it's no longer funny. It's just annoying now. I think I will have to give the best posting award, though, to the Arsenal fan many years ago before anyone had to have an account to post, so we had no idea who posted what. But anyway, this Arsenal fan posted up a rumour. Seemed fairly credible, credible enough to appear in every newspaper and website around the world just about within a week. Only for him then to post a second time to admit he'd just been testing to see if anyone fact-checked stories and how quickly it would spread. That did give me a giggle as it was reported by SSN etc as a genuine transfer story. Which just shows how unreliable the news outlets other than AP and Reuters really are. Sorry, one more Liverpool question, but this time it reveals who you all have to blame for these Ask the Ed podcasts, as Red Sadden Man asks, Love these Ask Me Anything podcasts, they're great. Do I get to claim credit for suggesting the idea to you? Anyway, this week there has been a lot of reported on Bobby Duncan and his agent. Does the club do anything to make sure the players, and in particular youngsters, are represented by appropriate agents? I recall you said something previously about Fergie insisting on some youngsters having to use certain agents during his time at United. You get all the credit and all the abuse that comes with it for subjecting people's ears to this Red Sandman. Just to point out again, Red Sandman's to blame. I'm happy to send it all your way, mate. First off, clubs mostly let players have free reigns on agents because they're, as far as I'm aware, they're not actually allowed to influence it. But they were, they were, you know, if the agent is particularly troublesome, they will request they change them. But it very rarely happens, and it would only happen under exceptional circumstances, as a rule. I personally think players need do need more help with regards to agents, but they can't be seen to be demanding players pick specific agents. It's tough because the right agent can be such a big help for a player's career, but the worst can destroy it. What happened with Ferguson at United was totally different. He demanded the players were represented by his son's agency, or they would not have a chance of making it through the youth setup. Allardyce did the same at Bolton with his own son's agency. Basically, if you were a kid at the club and you didn't sign up for their son's agency, you knew you'd never get a chance at the first team. So now a Manchester United question, and it's from Ken, who asks, Ed, what's your favourite away ground visited in the EPL and in Europe following Liverpool? 
Well, to be honest, I've never really had the money to afford to go to away grounds following Liverpool in the past. I used to afford to go to Anfield because I got free tickets. I've been to a number of other grounds, but not through following Liverpool. Quite a few of them don't even exist anymore, sadly, and those that do, both Sheffield grounds, for instance, badly need to be replaced. Actually, never mind, I wasn't thinking properly then. I have, of course, been to an away ground following Liverpool. It wasn't exactly a long trip, though, as it was Goodison Park. It does need a lot of work, that old lady, but it would be a shame when she's gone, though I'm not sure I'd call her a favourite away ground. And the final question for today's pod is from Dids, and yes, it is a Liverpool one, but hopefully more variety next time out by you doing so many this time. Dids asks, as good as Stevie G was as a player, is a long way to go to be considered a potential manager for LFC. I always felt that a lot of players were intimidated by him and his power within the club. The team often played better as a team without him, in my opinion. If he were to return, I feel that could be a mistake. He hasn't proven anything yet. Has he got the necessary man management skills? Does he feel that he should be part of LFC going forward? Gut feeling, but better off without him. Super super player, but managing a super club is totally different. Now having read it again, I'm not sure if this was sent into the right place and if you did actually mean this for the podcast. I'll try and answer it anyway. With regards to man management skills, he joined Rangers to test his management skills and to improve them. But it's barely begun really, it's far too soon to judge him. As for what he feels about LFC in the future, he 100% believes that he is going to be a future Liverpool manager and that is why he took the Rangers job. He wants to prove himself ready when the time comes. Right, so that's the end of another Ask the Ed, Legs 11, which reminds me of that time at the bingo with me aunts. I think me nan went with us too. There is something disconcerting about the way they all react to certain numbers being drawn. 11 is the worst though. Lots of old women suddenly wolf and all at once. It's quite unnerving to say the least. Bingo walls are like meeting places for cults, all those brainwashed people chanting together, Kelly's eye, and other phrases. And when the caller was either too slow or too fast, a lot of them just like to complain about the poor fella. In fact, I think that is what brings them together. The complaining. They all just love to complain, and it was one thing they had in common other than bingo wings. Complaining. They all complained so much, it was like being locked in a room with a hundred head treble sixes. And if that doesn't give you nightmares, nothing will. Goodbye.